Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. I'm Dwight Falk. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG, and we're online at kpcg.fm, and we have a live link at thetrumpet.com. When you look at the world and world events, uh, something that people probably ask if they're thinking about God in any way is, well, where is God? I mean, where is he? What's he doing? What's going on? You know, sometimes people will talk about that after a, a tragedy of some kind. Well, where was God in, you know, the event? And why did he let it happen? And things like that. It's a good question. Where is God working today? And what is he doing? Well, we have to understand that we are living in the age of the church. This is the church age. Today, God is not working through isolated prophets or individual Christians out there on their own, just sort of doing their own thing. He's working through his church. Now, it isn't up to any person to decide how and where God will work. That's God's decision. God decides that, and he decides how he does it. And his plan, what he established, and what he's doing is God is working through his church today. And God's church is organized and unified by his laws, his government, and his truth. Christ isn't divided. There's not a lot of different thoughts or ideas, you know, contrary to each other in terms of doctrine or something like that. It is unity. There's unity. And you see major religious groups splitting apart all the time over some new social trend or something, and they can't decide, well, what should we do? Well, and then they break apart, and that just happens over and over again. But God's true church, they are unified. And again, unified by his laws, his government, and his truth. And that doesn't change. God's church is the means by which God is preparing the world for Christ's return. When we think about solutions to the problems that we see, the ultimate solution is the return of Christ. Now, that's not just like sort of an easy answer. <laughs> But that's what has to happen, because there has to be uh, the power of Christ to to uh, make sure everyone is following those laws, that government, and they need to have their minds open to his truth as well. But the church is the means by which God is preparing the world for that event, for Christ's return. And through his church, God is preparing also the future rulers and teachers of his kingdom. Notice this quote. This is from the Herbert W. Armstrong College Bible Correspondence Course. It's Lesson 31, and it's a free Bible course, and it's available to you at thetrumpet.com. It says, Once the church is prepared and ready, God's first fruits will become Christ's ruling and teaching assistance, helping teach the true way to salvation to everyone in the world tomorrow. That's after Christ's return. They have been called today the church members, for the special service of qualifying to eventually help bring the knowledge of salvation to the vast majority of mankind. The world does need to learn about solutions to problems, and they have to have somebody to teach them. And as that quote points out, God's church has to be ready for that. 
Notice this passage in Revelation 19. We have a few passages today. If you have a Bible handy, please get it out and we'll read these together. Revelation 19 and verse 7, it says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife has made herself ready. See, that's talking about the church. When Christ has come, the church will be ready. They'll be ready to help Christ to assist him. Pentecost in AD 31, that was right after Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. Pentecost in AD 31 marked the beginning of God's spirit-begotten New Testament church. The church began on the Feast of Pentecost. And so that's the age that we are in, and it has continued since that time. And there's seven eras of that church. We're in the seventh and final era, the Laodicean era at this time. And, but again, there's a purpose to the church, and the church began with the fulfillment of a prophecy given by Jesus Christ. Christ, among other things, was the greatest prophet. He prophesied. And today, most people don't really talk about Christ's prophecies. What did he prophesy? Quite a few things. Matthew 24 is uh, one of the most famous passages there in relation to his prophecies. But um, the church had to have a prophecy fulfilled for it to begin the New Testament church. And we see this if we look in John 14. John 14, and we'll look at verses 16 through 18. Christ says, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. Verse 17, Even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. So Christ was prophesying here that the Holy Spirit would be sent. Now, when you read about the Holy Spirit, oftentimes it's translated as he, but it really should be it. It's a power. It's the power of God. It's not a person. It's God's power. That power is going to dwell in God's people. That's what Christ said. It shall be in you. And he said there in verse 18, I won't leave you comfortless. I will come to you through the power of God's Spirit. This was fulfilled, uh, or began to be fulfilled, in Pentecost 31 AD. Of course, it continues. God continues to send his Spirit. But it began here on Pentecost 31 AD. The Holy Spirit was given to empower God's people, to empower his church. And Christ leads his church through the power of God's Spirit. See, he had a prophecy that he would send the Holy Spirit, and he did that. Pentecost 31 AD, the Holy Spirit was sent. Let's read that and see the the beginning of the New Testament church in Acts 2. Acts 2, starting in verse 1, it says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So they were unified. They were in one location there. Christ told them to wait in Jerusalem. And they were doing that. Verse 2, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the house where they were sitting. So this was a very special uh, beginning. God's Spirit, when it's given today at, at baptism, a part of that Spirit, and the laying on of hands of God's true ministry, 
Um, you know, it doesn't have this big occurrence like this. Sometimes people misunderstand that and they think, well, this has to be the way it is all the time. This was special to really emphasize what was starting there. So they, they definitely understood that there, this was a special occasion, a special event. Verse 3, And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Again, that's something people misunderstand. They think, well, maybe they're just kind of babbling in gibberish or something like that. Well, what value would that be <laughs> to speak in gibberish? Uh, we see here what really happened, verse 5, and they were dwelling at Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Verse 6, now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that every man heard them speak in his own language. See, they understood what was being said. And the miracle there is that they could understand it in their own language. There were different languages being spoken. This wasn't random gibberish. This was a special empowerment that allowed God's message to be taught. And so this was the beginning of the New Testament church, Pentecost 31 AD, the Holy Spirit given to empower God's church. And we've been in the church age since, and we will be until the return of Jesus Christ. Notice this. Uh, this is uh, another quote from Lesson 31 of the Correspondence Course. It says, The day of Pentecost is the third annual festival given to ancient Israel. Its Old Testament name was the Feast of First Fruits, since it came at the end of the first or spring harvest. You can look at some references there Exodus 23 16, Numbers 28 26. It was also called the Feast of Weeks since it came seven weeks after the first Sunday after Passover. And you can look at Deuteronomy 16, verses 9 through 10 as a reference. Since it was also the 50th day of the spring harvest season, Greek-speaking Jews and Christians called it Pentecoste, which means 50th. So you can see where the name comes from and why that holy day is uh, so important. And again, a lot of people don't know much about that holy day or they don't keep it. But God says we should. We have a whole book that talks about that, pagan holidays or God's holy days. Which, which ones do we do? Which ones do you do? That's a free book, and it's at thetrumpet.com. But again, and we covered some of this already, but what is the purpose of the church today? What is the purpose of the church today? Well, number one, and again, this is from that correspondence course lesson, God's master plan calls for offering salvation and eternal life to every person ever born, but his plan calls for doing that in a time order, and those called out of the world and into the church at this time are called for a specific purpose and a specific work. This work makes possible the spiritual training of the first fruits, God's people today, so they can later aid in the conversion of humanity as a whole. Those called today are to accomplish two goals. First, they are to support the work of God through their prayers, tithes, offerings, and encouragement. And in so doing, they support the church's commission to prophesy again. You can read about that in Revelation 10 and verse 11. And prophesying again, warning of the unprecedented devastation coming. And that's something Christ talked about in Matthew 24 and verse 21 and also declaring the good news of the kingdom of God that will follow it. There's a work to be done. God's church is organized. It's unified. It has a work. And that work is to prophesy again, 
which is there's a warning there, certainly, and it's an important one, but then there's great hope as well, good news of the kingdom of God. And that's all the same information that Christ gave. You know, Christ prophesied that when people hear prophecies about what's coming on this world, that can be, you know, a little bit discouraging maybe or frightening in some ways because there is some bad news coming. But then there's great hope beyond that. And why does the bad news come, assuming people don't repent? Well, it's for that very reason, because there's sins that are causing the problems. And Christ is the one that gave those prophecies. <laughs> he talked about it. Matthew 24, verse 21. You can go through Matthew 24 and read about those prophecies. We have a lot of material at thetrumpet.com that will explain it if you haven't read it before or if you need, need a refresher on what that means and what he talked about. But that's Christ's message, and we have to accept that and understand it and, and heed it. And it's given out of love. God empowers his church to give that message out of love. It's not to you know, make people feel <laughs> negative or something. It is to encourage proper uh, living, because that's what solves the problems. We have to be following God's law, and that's the case for everyone. And then when we do that, ultimately there's that great news of the kingdom of God and all the good fruits that come from obeying God's laws. So that's a purpose of God's church today, to do his work, support his work. The second purpose is as we support his work, church members are to develop holy, righteous, and perfect character so they can prepare to sit with Christ on his throne when he comes to rule the world. Rule, rule the world with Jesus Christ. And all that's, that's quite an awesome opportunity. That's quite a reward. And again, there's not many people today that uh, are being called. It's a small harvest. It's a small spring harvest. It's Pentecost. That reminds God's people of this purpose every year, that we're being trained, we're being taught, we're being prepared to sit with Christ on his throne. Why? Why would Christ have a group of people preparing to do that? Well, so he can have people assist him in helping all of mankind. The whole goal in everything God does is to help other people. It's to help others. It's to be productive and to build positive growth. That's what we are to do in the church, is to support God's work. And then as we do that, we grow and we develop God's character and prepare to continue to help in God's work. Jesus Christ prophesied that his servants would do even greater works than he had done while on this earth. That's another prophecy that he made. Let's look at that in John 14. John 14 and verse 12. It says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believes on me, the works I do, shall he do also. And greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. We can do some great works. And when the church of God is, the correspondence course says, with today's modern technology, God's church can reach millions of people via television, the internet, printing press, other means of mass communication. These facilities enable the church to do a tremendously greater work than the first century apostles could. I mean, they did a great work as well, and we read about that in Acts and in other places, but they weren't able to reach as many people as can be reached today. 
because of the modern technology that's available and God's Holy Spirit empowering his church to make use of that technology, to make use of the transportation, to get around, uh, you know, cover greater distances, meet more people, things that the first century apostles, you know, couldn't do the same way. There's greater works being done, and, and this, again, is another prophecy of Christ that is being fulfilled right now. And you can learn a lot more about the work that God is doing through his church at thetrumpet.com. And you can also learn how to be a part of it and support it if you'd like, if, if that's something that God is calling you to do. Notice this from the correspondence course. It says, every Christian who is growing spiritually has his heart completely in the work God has given his church to accomplish. Our works include our part in supporting the work God is inspiring his church to do. See, again, it's not just some individuals sitting around thinking about, well, what do I feel like doing? What, what is God directing through his church? That's what we have to support. It says God's spirit-begotten children are his instruments in fulfilling his great commission to his church in this last hour of man's rule. You can look around at events. You know man can't continue the way he's going. It's getting, uh, it's getting pretty bleak in a lot of ways. It says the members' spiritual character growth and the work of the church are inseparable. You know, they have to, they have to work together. If any member stops supporting the work being done, that member stops growing spiritually. But as the members support the church, they will also grow spiritually. There's a synergy to it. And as they please God, it says he will bless and magnify the effectiveness of the work being done. See, this is, uh, this is what's happening today. This is how God is working today. This is what's occurring in the church age. Finally, it says, Then when the church is ready, both in numbers and in character, and the world has been sufficiently warned, Christ will return. We all long for that day or the return of Jesus Christ to this earth, but it has a lot to do with the work being done today, the preparation for that. And there's a lot being done. And again, you can learn more about what God's church is doing by going to thetrumpet.com. And there's quite a bit to look at there and to study into and investigate. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live By Every Word. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live By Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.